Hey, it's Melvin, one of your friendly neighborhood podcast hosts. Whether it's your first time tuning in or you're a longtime listener, consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever. Reviews are the lifeblood of the podcast world, so if you want to help us out, it'll take only a moment of your time. Otherwise, we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to Monthly Movie News, a monthly segment on Cinematic Doctrine where my co-host Daniel and I talk about movie news or newsworthy topics from the previous month. Like our recently revived Trailer Talk monthly segment, Daniel and I decided to use this time for monthly movie news to involve a bit more than simply news from the month of June, because it's been several months since our last episode. Our first topic on the docket is the booming trend of video-on-demand popularity, with movies like Trolls World Tour, Capone, and many others seeing success skipping the theaters and landing on streaming services such as Amazon Prime and Vudu, more out of necessity than anything, Daniel and I contemplate what these changes in the industry may mean for movies as a whole, whether they'll remain permanent as things return to quote-unquote normal, and if we can see certain companies regretting their overcommitment to VOD services. Then we get into the contentious topic of mask wearing. As theater chains AMC and Cinemark demand visitors to wear masks to their properties when they eventually open, as that date seems to change depending on the week you're in. We also talk about the strange politicization of mask wearing, because Lord knows two Christian cinephiles in your podcast app are the most qualified to have that discussion. And finally, Daniel and I dive headfirst into yet another contentious topic, contextualized racism. Warner Brothers recently was under fire for temporarily removing the popular Gone with the Wind for the purpose of contextualizing racist attitudes and depictions within the film. The two of us dig into the nuanced discussions surrounding historical recontextualization, because, again, we're Christian cinephiles, and Lord knows we're the most qualified to have this conversation. I'm kidding around. The two of us approach this episode with patience and care, and we're trusting the Lord that our discussion within the episode is filled with respect and righteousness, even if we get a little heated at times during this episode. If you enjoy the show, be sure to check out Cinematic Doctrine's other offerings like Trailer Talk and our regular movie discussions. You can also leave a review on your respective podcast app to show your support, or go one step further and consider supporting the show via Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can influence the show by choosing a movie we discuss at the end of every month, as well as gain access to an exclusive Cinematic Doctrine podcast series called The Sindoc Pre-Show. In it, Daniel and I talk about movies, Christianity, and life itself across a variety of topics. Cinematic Doctrine also has plenty of social media you can follow, like our Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook page. And be sure to check out the Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group and join the conversation with other like-minded Christian cinephiles. All of this will be available in the show notes. Without further ado, let's get into the news. So obviously when we're doing a news program... They're really, I mean, there's lots of industry news and lots of little minutia that we can get into, but there really is only two or three big major things that really everyone's talking about in the industry right now. All of them deal with a certain, I don't name names, but certain highly infectious disease that's going around. But however, there's been some good, I would say some sort of silver linings. The big one is the birth of, well, I wouldn't say birth, but sort of the coming out into its own of the video on demand services, really having a time to shine. So recently, within the past couple of months, we have seen a huge increase in large big budget films that initially were reported and were planned to have big theatrical releases coming to video on demand services. 
Notably, back in April, Trolls World Tour released to VOD and within 19 days earned an estimated $100 million in rentals. This paved the way for other films such as The High Note and Capone to go direct, directly to video on demand. Or in the case of something like Artemis Fowl, which was initially slated to be not only get a big theatrical release, but launch a whole franchise, get dumped on streaming services. The big uh, type of film, though, that is really sort of enjoying a, I would pop something of a renaissance, is the family-oriented film. While live-action blockbusters are seemingly stuck in ever-expanding delays, movies like Scoob, which are aimed at younger audiences, are doing quite well. Following in the footsteps, Sponge on the Run, a the third live-action film in the SpongeBob franchise, went directly to video on demand. This is particularly notable because the movie itself wasn't even scheduled to release until 2021, meaning this isn't necessarily a last resort decision. Rather, they just it, it would appear as though the company has looked at the numbers, seen how well other things have done, and just made the conscious decision to just move this to video on demand. Now, obviously, this raises a large number of questions, but the first thing I want to ask is, was this like a good shift? Like, do you see this as a potential of opening up for more films to be remade and distributed? Will studios look at this current model and say that we don't necessarily always have to dump lots of money into theatrical films. Maybe we should start greenlighting more 20, 30, 40 million dollar smaller movies with the express plan of releasing the video on demand, knowing that there's an audience there for them. I'd say it's a natural shift. I think it makes total and complete sense. Um, thinking about subscribing. Thinking about how subscription services are working and you're paying a premium per month and you're getting access to a ton of movies. I mean, apart from the fact that you're quote unquote getting it for free, rather you're getting it included. Netflix is dropping movies like flies and people are watching them all the time. And in some case, unfortunately watching them. I know that what is it? 365 days is like seven weeks of being the number one movie or something. It's like horrendous. And that that has its own connotations it's the worst but the point being is like there is so much power in just sending it directly sending your content directly to the customer as opposed to having to use some sort of third-party service such as putting it in a movie theater that's not to say that i don't like going to the movies that's great but i just think it's natural knowing how and this is me talking as a 24-year-old who has no understanding of the business world apart from what I've seen on YouTube, <laughs> read in articles and all these other things. But from the way I engage things and I've seen other people engage things, customers want more control. And having something that can just be watched at home by my own choice, it's kind of great. I would love I'd like to have the choice to still go to the movies and watch something. In fact, in my particular case, the movies I definitely want to be seeing in theaters are the movies that have a reason to be benefited by a massive screen and a really great right. audio experience. But I'm also kind of in the weird camp where I just want to see a good movie like early. So if it's in theaters and it's just a drama, so it doesn't have anything particularly crazy or whatever then I still want to go see it in theaters. If you have a good director of photography on hand, then, man, it's going to look great on the big screen anyway. But for families, it is so much more cost-effective to just stay at home and rent or buy a movie for $20 instead of taking the whole family out, which can be up to $100 plus if you're also including snacks and everything. That's insane. And... So for families, I think it makes total sense, especially when you're starting to get into kids films and stuff like that. Like, why? 
was that continuing to be in theaters? I mean, how right. stressful is it to take kids to theaters? I remember Catherine's family came up to visit one time. I think it was 2018 because Bumblebee was in theaters. So we just went and saw that knowing that it was not a Bayformers movie. So it wasn't going to be nearly as provocative, if at all provocative. And then it was also PG-13. And so they were all kind of at the age where they could handle that. And man, Jackson... <laughs> I'm name dropping you, buddy. You're 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 young, and you'll find out that I name dropped you years later. But he just like kept standing up, <laughs> and then like kind of standing around. We purposely got seats in the back, knowing that he would kind of just not care. But like, imagine if that was my kid, I'd be way more stressed <laughs> about bringing him out to a movie. In fact, I think there was another time when there was a special screening for Elf, and her family came up. This is like two years later, so I think this is. A year, two, maybe a year or two later. So he's older and they didn't have enough seats. So I sat out while uh, me and me and my father-in-law went around kind of walking around the district. And so Catherine's in the theater. And when they leave, she texts me and says, Jackson did it again. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like maybe his attention is just bad. But just imagining like you're paying a premium to bring all your kids to the movies and they're not even watching <laughs> Or maybe yeah. they got to go to the bathroom or all these things. Like, why would you be spending so much money just to have a miserable time? So when I'm thinking about the cost of it and like the value of like having some things go to direct, like direct a video or something like that. I mean, that makes total sense. I don't know if I'd like everything to go that way. Like, I don't want to see Tenet on my screen. I want to see that after I've seen it on the big screen. But sponge on the run i could i could see that at home it would be cool to see in theaters but i could see that at home yeah i mean i think i think you've really hit the nail on the head for why we're seeing this particularly with this particular type of film where yeah if you're a parent and you have like especially if you have multiple children the not just the cost but the rig and roll and all of the preparation and difficulty that comes with taking a large group of children out for any sort of event, movie or otherwise, sort of really begs the question of like, why am I going to spend X amount of dollars? Why am I going to go through the effort? Why am I going to try and keep my kids quiet in a dark room, potentially affecting other people's experience when we could just spend like a flat fee of $15 and put the thing on and we have it for a set period of time too. So like, you know, I think a lot of things have like 48 hours, 72 hour rental periods or whatever. You know, like we could pause it, we can turn it back on. If the kids really liked it, we can watch it again later. And if they start crying, we can like pause the movie and change their diaper or get their food ready. Or, you know, maybe, you know, as kids are wanting to do, if your kids start punching up on each other, you need to like discipline them. You know, it, it is a family parenting friendly option versus the theater experience. And like, I, you and I are both at H percentile where most of our negative theater experiences are on the other end of the spectrum where you and I have been in a theater and a kid starts crying or when I saw, I've seen multiple adult level films of like, like they're very violent or just inappropriate for children. And then you know, a parent is dragged the kid along for it. And the kid gets scared because it's a scary movie or the kid's moving around is ruining these dramatic scenes or what have you. And so it's just, it's, it's something that could potentially be beneficial for everyone in this scenario. Which I think it also sort of leads into the next question I want to ask, where do you think there's be a shift where maybe cinemas become more a destination unto themselves, where cinemas are more aimed at adult films or big blockbuster films or you know films maybe not necessarily aimed at children, 
well, you know, the kids films and that are cheaper, like B movie genre films sort of move more towards streaming and video on demand. Do you think they'll become a thing where like, if you want the true cinema experience, you're going to go to the movies and there'll be whole maybe marketing campaigns around that, or you'll see the shift where the only films that get theatrical releases are ones that they put $200 million into, or a film that simply like part of the hook is, Hey, you don't have to worry about the kids coming to see this one. I think so. I'm not entirely sure. I am curious to see. I'm curious to see two di- two different things because I think part of it is that everybody's stuck at home anyway, so there's limitations about what can be done. And then there is the fact that the most successful movies have been kids' movies. And so I, I can see that there's probably just the fact that there's a correlation between the two that like this jump starts an interest because now people were stuck at home. And they're like, well, I need something to do with my kids. That's I don't mean that as a slight to parents. It's just, you know, you want to spice things up or you want to put something on and know that they'll be okay watching it. And so you're like, I'll get Scoob or I'll get Trolls World Tour, the movie heard around the world, which someday we'll get to. And um, <laughs> who would have thought that would be the movie that changes everything? <laughs> I did. I knew from the moment as, as announced. <laughs> oh, man. I think financially it's already happened. I think financially people are only really going to the theaters to see those big crazy movies because especially with something like a Marvel movie that those are apart from the general interest in Marvel movies, people would only probably see like three or four movies, typical people, uh, general audiences. I don't want to say typical. That sounds weird. General audiences would only see about three to four movies a year anyway, and they're going to be the Marvel movies or the DC movies or, man, like the wild cards, you know? And and in that sense, there's already been one. The, one, there's already been the shift to like people are only going for either more mature movies or more... I don't, I mean, it's weird to call Marvel movies mature, but those are, you know, a bit higher end than a children's movie. And whenever I've seen numbers for kids' movies, they haven't, I feel like I haven't seen good numbers for them lately. Like whenever I'm seeing what the box office releases were, like, I don't think Adam's Family made very much money. I mean, Adam's Family is a little weird because I feel like for some, for like the the moms groups or whatever that like people like to kind of mock sometimes, like people weren't comfortable with it. And so they weren't taking their kids out. But yeah, it's, I I don't know. I really don't know with this. I do think, though, that the majority of movies in theaters are typically more mature anyway. I don't know if you've noticed, but since since I go to the movies pretty often or did because now movies are dead, almost always I would be seeing that movies that were in theaters are PG-13 or R-rated. I barely saw any that were PG or G-rated, but I don't know. Maybe your experience is different. I, I mean, I'm like even something like Sonic the Hedgehog, I believe, was PG. I mean, that might also just be a cultural shift where we're seeing just what we consider acceptable content for kids films, I think, is also just changing. Like Sponge on the Run, if that's if that is indeed the title, is I believe will most likely be PG, PG just based on what I know of SpongeBob. I mean, it's been a long time since I watched SpongeBob. You mean to tell me you're not playing Battle for Bikini Bottom Rehydrated? I am. I, I, it just. I'm not. I don't have. I, it is so good, by the way. A joke or anything for that. I just <laughs> not a thing I'm doing. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think my, my question is less based on more like the actual meat and potatoes content in the movies and more just I think marketing. Like, are we going to see a shift where they're trying to present you like the movie going experience is not this ain't for kids. This is for 
adults or like presented as like a fun night out for young adults or or a thing to get away from your children you know that heads to a really interesting place because i kind of stand that most most media i don't think is for kids at all anyway like video games apart from like when it comes to like when i'm playing video games online first off i don't really want to be playing with any kids because they're annoying on the microphone so it's just like a preference wise like i don't need some 14 year old kid calling me the n-word and they're like like i don't need that second most of those games are rated m anyway so they shouldn't really be on them anyway it's it's kind of weird that like i become a bit more quote unquote legalistic about it but it's purely preference like please stop playing dead by daylight if you're a kid i don't need you getting mad at me for doing the what i'm supposed to be doing in the game i like that it's like no moral reason i just don't like you leave <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's funny that it kind of goes that direction but like even with movies i sometimes felt the same way where it's like like what are they going to be enjoying about half of the movies that are more mature than something pg like literally nothing there's not going to be much other than like some really fun visuals unless it's something like if it's something really well written and i would argue some marvel movies are really well written well written yeah they can be really encouraging and helping people have like heroes for like sort of good morals that they want to ascribe to and and ideally parents are able to cultivate uh cultivate good things in that way but but like even books, I mean, apart from the fact that people just it's weird, I, I've been reading conflicting things where re reading is going up and down at the same time. It's weird. But books, half of the books on my shelf aren't really for kids to be reading. And then if you're getting kids books, it's like Brown Bear, Brown Bear, which is one that my my sister or my um oh, she'll get so mad. I said that it's one my. <laughs> It's one that my wife's kids at, at work really like. And then I guess young adult, but then even the best young adult books are accessible to adults anyway. So like I, I have like weird thoughts about even just separating the two, but then like, I don't know. I, I don't know. What do you, what do you think about like what I'm saying <laughs> as I typically do? Dan, take over. I'm running I mean, out of steam when here, you, man. When you're talking about like, I don't think kids are getting anything out of this. I just picture like a parent and they, and then with their kid in the theater watching like the like parasite being like, what do you mean you understand the commentary and classism is taking place? <laughs> we are all in the basement. Okay, kid. Yeah, you know, um, learn. <laughs> I mean, I think that a lot of it comes down to like the type of kid and like how you raise a kid. Cause I mean, I right. remember a lot of it is type. I remember really sense. enjoying like Ben Hur and stuff as a kid. And my wife had some experiences where she was reading, just reading at like a high school level when she was like five and six years old and things like that. I mean, yeah it depends on the kid and that kind of thing but i mean this is all wild speculation so i don't think we're going to give any sort of like concrete answer in what we're talking about but because i mean the i mean one of the other things i think we need to consider this time is this might just be hype and this might just be a, a thing that's happening at this particular moment in time exactly it might just be the perfect timing of kids movies were just coming out right around now and kids are at home and they're not at school so why not schools were closed <laughs> parents were also stuck at home why not watch scoob <laughs> like what do you gotta lose you know and it might be a thing where like as soon as theaters really open up and it becomes 
like a safe environment for people to enter into theaters. Everyone's just going to rush out just for something to do. Universal's going to regret that then <laughs> real quick. I mean, that's, I mean, we're going to get to that in a second, but also oh, like, man. who knows, who knows? Like this might be like the, cause I mean, we're also getting reports that drive-in theaters doing really well, or it might be a cultural shift where people really begin to appreciate the ability to go somewhere else and watch a movie again, because they're so sick of, just scrolling through Netflix and Hulu at home, trying to find something to watch, you know? And I think it's also something to really consider as well, where video on demand might've been appealing just because there was no alternative. And there might just be lots of people who they're staying there and they're like, I mean, I could order this movie for $15 or I could just finally watch all the stuff that I've been waiting to come. That I've been meaning to watch on Amazon prime, which I'm already paying for, you know? So like in the video on demand, realm i think there might in fact be more competition in a way than what they're considering now because right now a ton of their competition is just wiped out where people can't leave their house they can't go to the theater they can't go out for friends for drinks and dinner or something you know they have to sit at home and find something to do and looking for and the there was a sense of almost it was a treat or like i know you were going to see the invisible man at theaters but it's also now at home like it was kind of the special thing versus in like a year let's say a year from now where everything's really just sort of like bailed and chilled out it's like you could pay twenty dollars to see a movie or you could go do something else somewhere else in the world because now it's no longer a pandemic or you could like go to the video store or you could go to the theater or you know you could just stream something for free or you could watch someone on twitch or youtube you know i think that there might be a underestimating the level of competition they might face in the video on demand spectrum but i mean again we're we're sort of trying to predict the future of the entire world essentially via video on demand because it's all yeah you know dealing with sort of the nature of the pandemic as it is and even the idea that like we're talking about vod right right when theaters would like to be opening up in about two or three weeks <laughs> Good luck. Meanwhile, six or seven states are just blowing up with cases. And it's like, yeah, I think. I don't know. I think these these are moments where people might be biting off more than they can chew, but they're also in a position where they kind of still need to make money. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there are these movies that they have made and they're in a quarter that needs to make some profit. And so how am I going to make profit? I'm going to put Trolls World <laughs> 2 on demand. <laughs> yeah I, I think it's also worth mentioning is these are movies that were already in the can they were already bought and paid for and it was one of those situations where especially if you're a studio because and this is where playing things out so far in advance or i think backfired in a way where they have the release window set up where okay we're gonna release this this time and then like especially for a studio like disney or warner brothers where they have these massive movies just like waiting to be released where tomorrow Mulan, Black Widow, Wonder Woman, all these movies could come out. And so it left something like Scoob, for example, or whatever, where it's like, if we don't release Trolls, if we don't release Scoob, it's just going to be like, it's going to get clogged up and we're not going to have a good release window for it. Might as well just release it now, especially as there's just sudden drops in profits where we were projected to make this much money because these movies were supposed to come out at this time. Tenet was supposed to really clean up, but now it's not coming out at all. We have to do something to recuperate costs. Because, I, I mean, that's kind of why I was asking, like, do you think studios are going to shift everything where they're going to like plan out and budget 
and cast and all that based on the presumption of like, this is going to be released to people's homes. I, I don't know. I can't see that happening really. Yeah. I don't know either. I, maybe they will be quicker. I know universal tried to bat. So, you know, I mentioned universal earlier because after trolls world tour did so well, they pretty much just said, we're going to simultaneously like, correct me if I'm wrong, but they said simultaneously release movies in theaters and on VOD movie <laughs> theaters were like, no, that's not okay. <laughs> you can't do that. We make our profit during basically the first two weeks of a movie. And if you're releasing it that soon, it's not going to work out. So AMC, which was, is in a bad place and kind of has been, and yeah, was only seeing profit during the last quarter of 2019. Um, they were in a place where like, no, we can't really afford that. So you know what, Universal, you're going to bite us. We're going to bite you back. We are not showing any of your movies ever again Oof. at all. <laughs> Just in, okay, straight up. And I think Regal kind of said like this, they didn't say it quite the same, but they said if people, if, if production companies and distribu- distributors are not going to you know, align with us, we're going to have to reconsider our relationship with them, which was Regal basically saying the same thing, but much more corporate and less pointed, less regrettable, because like if it turns out that AMC needs Universal, that's a big deal. And so it might just be a fad. And then Universal is going to be like, oh, poopy butt. We should have just said after like three weeks, we'll put it on VOD, which like, why not? I think it's during the first two weeks the production company and all the profits and all that stuff, the majority goes to them. And then after the first two weeks, when the movie's in its third and beyond week at the movie theater, that's when the theater starts to get most of the profit, which is really stinky because by the third week, the movie's usually out of the public discussion. But that's kind of why they'll do special screenings. I remember when The Sun is Also a Star was in theaters, which didn't do very well, but it was a low-cost movie anyway. And about two, three weeks after they were doing special showings where it would be pretty inexpensive. And why? Because that theater was getting all of the profits for that. So, so I don't, this is like a weird time where I, I think when things get back to normal because, or, or a new normal. So like just thinking two years from now, I'm pretty sure we'll have a vaccine by then. Lord willing. I mean, we're supposed to be one in October. Yes. And so like, like very, yeah. and so like, and there was that steroid, right? There was that one steroid that was like helping fight in some cases, but they were afraid to go too yeah. far because in other cases it was actually pretty bad. Medium to mild cases. Yeah. Medium to mild cases of COVID, the steroid cream was working. Yeah. It's like a sort of thing where like, I feel like there might be too much commitment into a time that uh i've been trying to go the whole episode without saying it but it's in a time that's so unprecedented (laughs) there's almost too much commitment to these things that are changing the industry in such a massive way but i guess it makes sense because movie theaters and movie industry has always been kind of on the edge and when you're working with that much money it only makes sense that you're always on the edge yeah that's kind of all i have when it comes to that i think the real test the real test will be getting to take this idea and put into actual practice when theaters are open. Because that's the only real way to see if this would be a sustainable model in the future. Any of these things we're talking about, where, okay, let's try a simultaneous release. Let's try a video-on-demand release two weeks after a theatrical release. Like These are only things that you can really test in an actual like situation where human beings have the option to not do that. Like Until like people are given the option of that you can go to theater or you could not, and you see that one is preferred or the other, that's the only real test. That's the only way you're going to tell if this works or not. And until that happens, we really won't know. I think it's just 
I think for film production companies and, and the people that are, would be in a position to really profit off this idea of like cutting out the middleman entirely, I think they're salivating at the idea. But like, you know, I don't think there's really any way to t- tell until you can really put this put this concept into practice and really test it in the waters, so to speak. But you know, speaking of which, I mean, this really goes hand in hand with their next topic for discussion, which is the the entire idea of theaters returning. Um, as of this writing, movie theaters across the country are slowly beginning to the process of reopening, with most major chains hoping to be back up by mid-July. Uh, though, I, to really show how tumultuous things are at the moment, when I wrote this three days ago, that seemed more probable, or three or four days ago. Now, we're looking probably more something like closer to early to mid-August. The question is, though, is America ready for theaters to reopen? You know, on June 15th, AMC announced that they would be reopening with safety measures, but would not require people to wear masks. Unfortunately, it was soon revealed that the reason was entirely to avoid the politics surrounding the mask debate. Upon receiving widespread backlash, AMC quickly reversed their decision and announced that masks would in fact be required. Uh, complicating matters even further, there are now rumblings. Oh, geez. To show how, like, okay, I'm just going to read this as I wrote it. Complicating matters further, there was rumblings that Mulan might be which was scheduled as July 24th, might be pushed back yet again to avoid being the first big movie release during the certain time. Um, and this was on the cusp of cases rising in Texas and Florida and California. And then right after I wrote that, two days after, it was announced that both, both Mulan and Tenet were going to be delayed. So in, in some ways, this might even be answering a question already where there, Hollywood and the movie industry was really rearing to go and was ready to reopen. And then immediately... <laughs> Immediately, as soon as things started to reopen, cases started spiking in all these locations. I mean, we've talked previously about this. I think it might have been in a pre-show episode. I'm not sure. But, you know, we were talking about whether or not we would be... I mean, the first question is, do do you, Melvin, plan on returning to theater sooner than later? Um, and I don't can't quite remember. I think you were leaning towards yes, but also leaning towards no. I don't know if your opinion has changed since then. But, I mean, to to... to <laughs> I mean, to like to just get this conversation started, if theaters were open, because <laughs> this is a big I mean, I'm I'm waffling because there's just so many things to talk about right here. But I mean, just to start with the next two to three weeks, if theaters were to open, theoretically, would you see a movie in late July? Would you see a movie in early August in theaters? Maybe uh, it depends. It's I feel like it's too early to tell. <laughs> part of me is being purposely vague so that anybody listening you have a incentive <laughs> to go support us on patreon for three dollars uh, a month and check out uh dan and isaac's pretty extensive and and somewhat convicting conversation about um, not just going back to movie theaters when they open but <laughs> i just straight up asked dan get off the fence decide would you sooner go to church when they open or would you go to the yeah. movies the answer is <laughs> i don't go to church so <laughs> Yeah, not right now. Nobody's. That's a, that's a that's a joke. That's a joke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There you go. Um, just for the record, anybody we work with on Syndoc, we we kind of have a screening process to make sure that they're sound and reliable. <laughs> that's like, I guess, a, a an edgy Christian joke. Yeah, but you can we get more extensive into that, and I think that was a pretty good discussion, and and even reveals a bit of how I'm feeling too. Now. As far as like this update that things might be going forward, (laughs) 
uh, or I'm sorry, being pushed backward. I don't know. What's the timeline going forward would be later into the year, but backward is, but they keep saying we're pushing it back. We're pushing it back. And it's like backward would be closer to us. Anyways, figuring out all this terminology. It's annoying. Um, I don't know how I feel about going to the movies. I, I think I'd like to go. And I know that the AMC had their 30% reduction or down to 30% was how many people they'd allow in each theater, perhaps in the entire building. I think I don't remember. And there were precautions that made me feel comfortable. I think the one thing that you got into, that's the most contentious, let's say, yeah, contentious. And as a cynic, when when embracing my cynical side is kind of the most entertaining is the part when they said, like, we didn't want to require a mask because we thought it was political. But now we're going to require a mask because like if you d- literally don't have a mask, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, like if you don't have a mask, you're going to get sick. Like, this is just how it is. And for me, that's like the thing where, like, as a corporation, I understood why they were playing to the field that way. And that doesn't excuse AMC from doing something wrong or stupid the fact that they'd be trying to play to the field but it does it does kind of direct my attention more to the field less so much amc when it comes to that choice and i think the field is just kind of dumb like masks masks are safe they're secure everyone's uncle on facebook just turned the episode off yeah there you go this is but but like as a christian you can see this as an exercise of self-sacrifice in loving your neighbor and I feel like I shouldn't have to say that out loud about something so absurd as wearing a mask. <laughs> Barring medical conditions that make masks difficult or dangerous to use, there's just no reason in my mind other than selfishness for not wearing a mask in public. It's not a political issue. It's about decency. If, if it would love your brother to wear a mask in their presence, you do it. <laughs> like, that's just how it is. If that is the only cross you have to bear, first off, that's an awesome life, and I'd love to live that one. But second, just do it. I don't know why this is a political thing other than people perhaps idolizing a particular person with orange hair that blows like a Super Saiyan. Yeah. But like, I just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. I, I understood why AMC was like, we don't want to get political. Like I said, they're a corporation and capitalism is all about doing what the, what will be the most profitable and valuable. They don't care about, it's not a moral issue. It is a money issue. And that's why they made that decision. But who is feeding that? Well, it's the the society that they're living in, and that before you're putting clown paint on my face and telling me I'm giving a poor imitation of Joaquin Phoenix, like that is more indicative of who they're speaking to and trying to goad into coming to their theaters as opposed to themselves. And the fact that you can hear these—I mean, I don't know if you've been seeing some clips of like public forums where these people are saying like forcing us to wear a mask is unconstitutional and it's killing people because they can't breathe it it makes no sense to me daniel it makes no sense to me and i don't understand it yeah like daniel is wearing a mask political like to me no it's not (laughs) and i think i make a pretty good reason for why it's about decency and caring about other people that's why apart from the medical benefits for wearing a mask but what do you think, Daniel? <laughs> oh, okay. Um... <laughs> Follow that up. It sound nicer. You have an opportunity to sound more patient than I do. Wow. Uh... 
<laughs> and part of it, so I just don't know what else I could add that hasn't been said by other more qualified people talk about it. Yeah. I mean, like you had like Fauci and all the other people when they're being asked about like, is COVID getting worse? Meanwhile, they're six, sitting six feet apart with masks on and they're like, basically, yeah, like it's it's never not gotten better or never gotten better. <laughs> it's still bad. I think the <laughs> my entire opinion of the mask debate which this has almost nothing to do with movies, but it does now because AMC decided that didn't want to be political. <laughs> yeah, because, well, you know, th- there is that there is that connection where like we when will we be able to return to the movies when this pandemic is winding down and when will the pandemic be winding down? Um, I think I'd be I think I'd general in general be more sympathetic to the I don't want to wear a mask crowd if it didn't seemingly go hand in hand with you know, you see the videos online of people having freakouts in public or they're screaming about, you know, my, my, my best friend works at Whole Foods and they were just like, hey, can you put a mask on? And like people were like calling them Nazis and that kind of thing. It's so weird. It's, it's, I am baffled at the anger. Like I understand not wanting to do anything. Like people don't like being told to do stuff. Just as a general rule of thumb, doesn't matter if it's good or bad. Well, especially in the United States. Yes. I would argue, especially in the United States. Land of the free and home of the brave, Daniel. Yeah. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> it's yeah. We, we, we prize individualism here very highly and individual liberties, which are not bad. I'm not saying those are bad things by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I'm just saying that our outlook on the world is very self-centered just naturally. I mean, part of it's somewhat earned in the sense of like America, you know, we stood up to tyranny and we took this country from the British and blah, blah. And also it's it's just in our DNA. You know, we were, America was founded, the country that the country that is the United States, it was founded by people who left to escape oppression, came to another country. I'm not going to get into the history of the United States because I know from here it gets a little contentious and and how it, you know, relates to the to Native Americans that are here and all that stuff. But I mean, you know, that's, it's just in our DNA. It's in our DNA to be rebellious. It's in our DNA, both as human beings and as Americans, to be rebellious and to push against being to, doing what doing what we're told. What is so strange is this marriage of that with also people who are like, you know, screaming at people at stores or like also don't seem to take the pandemic seriously at all. Like not just the mask thing, but also like, Oh, this whole thing is hype. It's just, why does it have to come? Why is it to this package? Yeah. Dan, don't you know that it's a pandemic? Yeah. This was <laughs> totally made. Yeah. I remember, remember that it lasted a couple of weeks and then we're all just like, wait a minute, this video is stupid. Uh, Plenty of people that are still arguing for it. My goodness. It's just, uh, I don't understand. I mean, the the more I talk about it, the more we touch upon things that also need clarification, which is the thing's frustrating. But this thing of like, it's this crowd of people who, oh, you're just buying into the media hype. You're buying, you're just, you're just a sheep. You're just believing what you're told. But it's just this inherent skepticism of everything that's borderline and healthy. Like, it, here's the thing. Being a contrarian is not the same thing as thinking for yourself. And I hate that people seem to complete the two things. Like if I was to tell you like, oh, hey, man, like, could you could you pass me that pen? I need that pen over there. And your response was, no, you don't. You don't need that pen. What's a pen? You don't need like if you're if your response to something is to just disagree with me. That's not the same thing as being a free thinker. Like being a free thinker and being thoughtful and thinking for yourself means you take in all the information. You consider it. 
you consider the sources, you consider the people telling you, you consider like the, the okay, why is the head of the CDC? Why is the head of the WHO? Why are all these medical experts telling me this thing? Why are the majority of the people that have dedicated their lives to diseases and the health of people saying one thing? Why would they say this? Like, just take, really take a step back and think of, think about this conspiracy that you're creating in your head. What's the point to get Trump out of office? We don't need a pandemic to do that. He's a pretty popular politician already. Like, there's a million <laughs> billion things to to hit Trump over. There's a million billion things to accomplish these so-called conspiracies. Like, because you know there is a what was it? There, there was a whole thing with the woman posted the picture of the guy at Starbucks who was like, "Oh, I can't serve those who wear a mask." So she posted his picture on the internet, and it was backfired because then people started just giving that guy lots of money. And then she was asked to give her side of the story. And she was like, and she literally was like, oh, well, you know, I'm just exercising my right. I don't need to explain to you guys why I don't like this. I think it's one step towards something, the mark of the beast and all that. And I was just like, what? What? How is, what does this have to do with the mark of the beast? What does this have to do with Bill Gates? What does this have to do with the Illuminati and 5G and just all this stuff? I just don't. What I'm trying to say is I understand not wanting to wear a mask for a myriad of reasons. It's uncomfortable. I had to wear them eight hours in a row because I worked at a hospital. Um, I understand it's very uncomfortable. You know, it can sometimes get a little scratchy throat because it worked for so long. And I was wearing a KN95. I was wearing a cloth mask over a KN95 mask because I had to keep wearing the same KN95 mask over and over again because it, you know, PPE shortages and all that. I understand all that. What I do not understand is... Imagine this, let me the mask thing for a second. Forget that it's a mask and it's a contentious subject. If there was a store that said, like, every store has a dress code policy already. Like, if a store said, like, hey, you know, if you, we don't allow people who do this thing. We don't allow naked people to yeah. come to our well, store. Please put on some clothing. Public stores are allowed to limit who they, like, who they allow in. <laughs> and they're allowed to, a public or I'm sorry, a private corporation is allowed to make those decisions. Why would a mask right. be any or, different? Like, and not even that, but like there are stores, for example, that are like, hey, we don't want people to bring in like backpacks because we've had issues with shoplifting or because of like right. current worries about like shootings and stuff. And when those happen, I know that people roll their eyes, but they do it. Why do I don't understand this thing of like, I have a right to disobey the rules of this Whole Foods or this Trader Joe's because I have feelings about a conspiracy involving a pandemic. I don't understand that. I understand this thing of Christians, Christian Bible believing Christians who believe in loving your neighbor and showing Christ like love to others and not want to compromise your witness, being comfortable being like, ha ha, I'm not following the rules of the store. They can't make me take that liberals, I guess, even though that has nothing to do with the people. Cause that's the thing. Like I have a bird's eye view of, of my brother and my best friend both work at Whole Foods. They are not a part of a political conspiracy. They are conservative Christians who typically vote Republican, but they're being directly affected by the actions of these people because they this their job. It's their job to enforce these store policies. And when somebody is not following store policies, is making a scene, is making other customers uncomfortable, it's their job to do something. You're making their lives more difficult because if you have some weird feelings about self-importance and fighting the man, and listen, if you want to be a political dissident, if you want to enact change in the world, do something useful. 
like go go donate to a useful charity go like protest human trafficking go campaign for trump if that's what you want to do do something but like just not wearing a mask while my my brother and my best friend are trying to do their job that doesn't help anyone all you're hurting all you're doing is hurting normal everyday work class americans who you claim to be supporting that's the thing i don't understand like i understand having a position i do not understand enacting it the ways that they're doing it and i do understand encouraging other people to do the same that doesn't and here's the thing and here here my opinion my opinion on the whole issue because i i try to avoid sharing my direct opinion on certain things a i don't feel like it's necessary because it's a movie podcast b i just don't I don't get why people want to know what I want to think about certain things. But here's the thing. Right. Yeah. I'm kind of the same way. I don't, there's a reason I haven't written more <laughs> content on the website, like blog stuff, because at the end of the day, it's like, am I really the qualified individual for this? <laughs> yeah. Here's a double-edged sword. So. Who am I? I? I have some very, very, I want to have minimal knowledge of this because I worked in a psych hospital, which, you know, not exactly front lines of the pandemic, but the same, like why, but at the same time, like where are these other people getting the information from? Are they getting it from trusted sources? Are they getting it from naturalnews.com telling people that they just eat fruits and vegetables and they won't get COVID? You know what I mean? Like why, like everyone's this thing about like, oh, I'm a free thinker. So I get my information from trusted sources. If you are cherry picking sources based on how much you like their information, that is not doing the thing that you think you're doing. You are not sifting through the spin and the, in the fake news, you're just picking a different set of fake news that agrees with you. But to my actual opinion is there is, seems to be a direct correlation between places with spikes in cases versus people where people are not social distancing and not wearing masks. That's it. Yeah, it really is. That's, that's all the information we have based on. It's just, that's just how it's unfolding. I'm sorry. Like that doesn't, this is not a biased thing. This is not a politics thing. Guess what? I have never voted for a Democrat presidential candidate. And I probably never will because I'm that idiot who votes third party, which I know makes everyone upset because it's the stupidest thing you can do. But that's just typically when I just look at the candidates, that's who I tend to like. And I vote for the people that whose positions agree with mine the most. I know it's crazy, but that's just what I do. And that's just how it's getting like everyone. And, and then there's these false equivalencies of like, I saw a Babylon B article. Babylon B. 90% of the time, their articles aren't funny. Christian satire. Yeah, it's it's the Christian onion. 90% of the time, their articles aren't funny because they tell the same like three or four jokes over and over again. Like, you know, man identifies his attack helicopter type jokes, you know, the, the, whatever. But they had an article of like woman elbow to elbow with people in Walmart line. Can't believe people are going to church during a pandemic or something like that, which comedy is subjective. And I get that you can read that as an indictment of people like us, like where we sit there and we judge one person for something, even though we are doing this, something that is similarly dangerous. Who are we to judge? That's a a reading of that joke. But the thing that bugs me is I think a lot of people, when they read that joke, they're going to sit there and be like, ha ha, like, that's such a good point. How come people are going to protest and going to grocery shopping, but they won't go to church? But it's like, that's not the same thing at all. There is a humongous difference between going to an open air place, standing far away from somebody wearing a mask versus going to a cramped area like a church with 50 people elbow to elbow, not wearing a mask. You know what I mean? Like, like there are safe ways to do things. And like, the problem is that 
the people again who are just like, oh, I just think you shouldn't be forced to wear a mask are also not doing the rest of the stuff. Right. I, I too agree that when it comes to some stuff like Babylon B, it's more of a, it's just cynicism. It's Christian cynicism. And, and that's not good. Like whenever they're making jokes about homosexuals or jokes about transgenderism and it's like, boy, howdy, you're putting your best forward, aren't you guys? And then they open up their own subsidiary. That's an actual news corporation called discern. And you're like, what did they say about that guy's rope in NASCAR? And then it ends up, it was like actually still oddly shaped like a noose anyway. I don't know. It's, 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 it's free thinking, Dan. That's what it is. It is free thinking, baby. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I'm just trying to say like, again, I'm not saying you have to wear a mask. I'm not saying that you shouldn't go to church. I'm saying that this is like false equivalency where just because a just because someone is doing something wrong in area a does not give you the right to do something wrong in area b that's not how that works sure. that's yeah but it's just there is a right way to wrong way to do things and you can't like just because you're upset about the whole mass thing that, that doesn't mean like well that doesn't mean you should just throw everything out the window that doesn't mean you should throw social distancing because the whole thing about like old masks are bad because a they don't actually block covid b i want to breathe you know and maybe it's uncomfortable to breathe okay fine but could you at least not be elbow to elbow with people could you at least there, there was a thing where like their birthday party is happening in texas and like six seven people get sick someone's grandfather died because they had like a family gathering another more masks you know and we're just in a close confined area like okay but like you can still do the other stuff there are safe ways to do these things there's safe ways to have church there's safe ways to go grocery shopping there's safe ways to protest you could do all these things safely it's just i don't understand why we took for some reason taking precautions during pandemic got put in the liberal bag and no one no concern wants to pick up the liberal bag because liberals are bad so we're not going to do any of that stuff yeah it's weird. That's such a stupid way to go through life. It's so dumb. Like Lo- loving your neighbor is the wrong thing, don't you know, Daniel? This isn't even- putting other people before yeah. you is wrong. It's, it's not even just. <laughs> it's not even that. That's too grand. That's what I think. That's where I stand. I think. I think it really comes down like why are people putting like thinking the bag the the quote unquote liberal yeah. bag is something not detachable because they don't want to see. They don't want to love their neighbor and look like they're landing on the liberal camp. But it's like, I'm sitting in a chair right now. I, I'm literally shaking my hands in the air because the, the, the underlying thing that I don't understand is it's just like, just because somebody who votes left or sometimes says mildly liberal things says something, that doesn't mean it's 110% false. That doesn't make any sense. Just because like, if I go to my doctor and he's like, yeah, man, looks like you have a cold and he prescribes me medicine. And he's just like, Oh, by the way, like the music you're hearing, it's Dave Matthews Band. I wouldn't be like, oh, I don't like Dave Matthews Band. That means his medicine's fake, and I'm not really have a cold. Like, you know, what I mean? <laughs> like that doesn't make any sense. Like, just because somebody disagrees with you on one thing and sees the world a little differently in this one area, doesn't mean every single thing they say that comes out of their mouth is fake, and they're trying to hurt you, and they're out to get you as part of some conspiracy. That's the thing that really I don't understand. Like, it's just. Everyone gets sick. Neighbor, if you get sick, you get sick. It doesn't matter who you vote for. Like, I don't get this. I don't understand this whole, like, they're just trying to control you. This is the first step. You know, there's someone posting a picture of, like, this is where it begins. And it starts, so it's just someone with a mask. And then the final panel is them wearing a hijab. And it's just like, <laughs> what are you talking about? That was unironically posted online. And it's just like, what are you talking about, dude? Like, uh... 
that's the thing that gets me is it's just this whole thing's built on this weird bizarre premise of like listen if the democrats are saying that there's a pandemic probably means there's no pandemic you know that no <laughs> that doesn't make any like that's not how right. this works my 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 coworker's dad didn't die for no reason people in my church haven't right. died for no reason it's not because there's some right. of a hoax they're not they didn't all work together to do this they weren't like you know really mess up jimmy over there you guys died so we could tell them that it's a pandemic like this is, what are you talking about <laughs> yeah it's a lack of under we're way think, off in the weeds well i don't know well you could argue we're that. in an hour um, already but i think it i think it functions i mean the whole thing is that like if we were reviewing parasite we would have to talk about classism and when we're talking about amc saying we don't want to be political by requiring masks but now we're going to require them sorry we're gonna have to talk about this like it's just it's just how it is and it's it is a lack of understanding the lord's sovereignty to keep control over everything it is a if if you said it earlier in in a few episodes ago and i loved it and you were like knowing that the lord is in control of COVID 19 comforts you knowing that in an instant he can take it away in an instant, he can keep it from ever reaching other people. In another episode, you said you were praying for one of your 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 friends who, and maybe it was the two guys you were talking about earlier, who are working in a Trader Joe's or whatever. And like you're praying, like, Lord God, please don't have any of them get, get sick. And they just haven't. <laughs> they're, they're totally safe. Yeah, not a single person in their story has gotten sick. Yeah. And like you're you're in the midst of having your one coworker who you were rooming with ends up getting sick. And, and I, even my sister at her congregation, one congregant had three people in her family die like one after another. And it's like the it's, it is a real thing, but trusting that the Lord is in control of it. it, It's it like, what am I, what am I bothered by wearing a mask? It's, it's amazed me that that's still something being talked about. And like everybody, whenever they saw, what is it? The one guy who was interviewed from the, from WHO who was misconstrued to sound like they were saying, yeah, wearing masks has never contracted or never passed the the disease or whatever. And then like everyone was pioneering, like, see, this is it. It's here. He said it. He said it. But then it was like the, the, the issue was that like the guy was known for being not a good public speaker and being misunderstood regularly. <laughs> so that like two, like a day later, the WHO is like, yeah, you should still wear a mask. <laughs> like the reality is it's still accurate. And like, it just goes away because, ah, oh, well, I, I, I found the one thing that tells me like, like there's that one comic you ever see it. And it was like, here's all these peer reviews that disagree with you. And here's the one that doesn't. I found it. I found the one. <laughs> it's like, it's not a golden ticket, man. It's like finding a deuce in the middle of a field and saying, I found a pie. <laughs> like, dude, no, it's just crap. There's nothing here. And I don't know if, if, if you can trust that the Lord is in control of all things and it's going to take care of you and prosper you and, and, and keep you safe. And even if you die, you're still in the presence of the Lord. You can sacrifice a little bit of comfort on your nose and chin by wearing a mask when you go out in public and you can sacrifice that when you get together and one of your friends who might be just immunocompromised is coming over to spend time with you and wearing a mask. And so now you're going to put one on because you love him. Just do it. Oh, it doesn't, 
It's not political. It's about decency. Just be decent people. It's the bare minimum. Just get along. It's not political. We got to move on, man. Yeah. We still got one more topic and it's about racism. You guys ready to hear about that? <laughs> it's just Yeah. All that, all that said uh, though, open night. I'm seeing new mutants. <laughs> just let's go. Like, yeah. Mask or no mask. So, let's go. Like, and like I feel like some people think we're memeing. Like it's not a meme. Oh, I like, am new mutants. You have to see. It's like I'm going. I will <laughs> get my immunocompromised mother-in-law and wife sick. We're seeing new mutants. <laughs> My elderly father. I trust the Lord to keep me safe yeah. when I go see new mutants. <laughs> oh man! You know, in all seriousness, though, like, be safe out there. Like, please, with a love. Yeah. Okay. This 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 thing. Yeah. One point five percent mortality rate. Maybe ninety five percent of people who get it recover. Everyone's gonna be fine. I understand all that. Trust me. You know, I I know somebody who only had it for twenty four hours. <laughs> he got it. He had a fever, and then he was fine. His wife was sick for like a week and a half, but. Uh, like two weeks even longer than that and like yeah most people will be fine most people will survive this thing doesn't have like 100 percent mortality rate or anything it's not the t virus or anything it's the issue is simply like okay lots of people get sick it spreads very very rapidly and if it gets to your population very very quickly you're going to see a lot of vulnerable people get sick and die and if lots of um if the healthcare service is overwhelmed people then it creates a larger issue where like you know people who have non-covid things but still need medical attention might not be able to get it and there's also the larger unfortunate sad irony is that often it's the smaller, like more rural areas that tend to have people who are resilient to wearing masks, things like that, who have like small local town hospital that doesn't have the capacity for these types of things. Um, and it's just those things are contingent. And yeah, okay, this thing isn't the worst plague. It's going to hit humanity. This isn't cholera. This isn't the Black Death or anything. But still, I think even one person dying that didn't have to is bad. <laughs> you can quote me on that. So... That's my hot take. Uh, people dying is bad. Just think about what it's like to be sick. It's, it's really miserable. Right. Are people just forgetting what it's like to be sick? <laughs> That's the really warped thing. <laughs> of like, who cares if you get sick? I do. I don't like getting sick. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to get sick. Yeah. How Do you know what it's like to have to call out of work when you don't have sick days or even if you're using them? Because at this point, corporations are like, you're using a sick day. You must not care about your job. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I'm, I've got a hundred three fever, man. I got to stay home. Like, oh, it's just, but you know, it's just getting sick. Who cares, man? It's just, you're just getting sick. Just go to bed. It's, that's basically, it's just pain. Who cares about pain? Um, you know, I understand that the whole thing of like, well, movie theaters need to open because if they don't, sooner than later, they're going to go out of business. Yes, I agree. That's the problem. Right. And that's the same across other corporations, too. That's right? why everyone needs to follow the rules. Like, I just, it's, again, it's just, the, <laughs> I just don't understand. Like, okay, you want to. China was able to open up. And then they closed down again. <laughs> but, you know. They you opened up for learn. like three months. And then, yeah, there's another potential outbreak. But, like, but they still had three months of revenue that just, like, was good and you don't even need a stimulus if you can have three months of operation to actually make some freaking money, but whatever, dude, it's just a pandemic. Yeah. You listen, you want to go, you want to go to cold stone creamery. You want, you want to go cold stone creamery Then just wear the mask and they wear the mask and then <laughs> everyone's cool. It's a, I just, <laughs> you just go home. Like just go. Home. And then you go home and eat ice cream uh. or you eat in your car or even you eat it outside away from other people while not wearing a mask. That's fine. As long as you're away from other people. You know, it's just, it's really simple. I just, 
and nobody complains with you if like you're so I went to I went to Starbucks and it was at a it was at a giant Starbucks. So every every grocery store that's a giant in our area has a Starbucks connected and there was seating outside. And like nobody cares if you're just like not using the mask to drink your coffee with a friend. The the tables are all separated and far away. But it's like the second you're done, just put it back up. <laughs> I mean, my goodness, I have a huge beard. Do you know how annoying and how sweaty it gets underneath that? And it's like yeah i'm just gonna love my neighbor man that's why i shaved uh, it's worth it i'm keeping mine everyone's just like <laughs> oh like where does it end if where does it end it ends when you follow the rules <laughs> like we'll first tell you to wear a mask well they, they can't make you wear a mask you were choosing to go to the to the store you know what i mean like you were choosing to go to Coldstone Creamery, which has just become my example for a reason. Like <laughs> you, you were choosing to do these things. You don't have, you can, you can, you can, you know, do Instacart. You can order things through the mail. You could just keep in takeout every day. Like you're choosing to participate in society. You're choosing to participate at these stores. You don't, you don't even have to actually wear the mask. Really. You could just stay home and not wear the mask. And but like this is this is no different. This is no functionally different than wearing a seatbelt or smoking indoors or any number of normal rules that we all follow in a society for safety reasons. Like like it or not, and yeah, I tend to lean more towards the I would rather the government not bother me type of way. And you know, yeah, I there's a part of me that's just like I should not wear my seatbelt when I drive a car. And sometimes when you know i well you know when i was younger i should say when i was younger sometimes i just wouldn't because it didn't feel like it fine yeah whatever that's a risk i'm taking on myself the problem is that is that these are things that directly affect the people around you and the, and the whole point of having a governing body of any kind government police otherwise is that they can you know tell you not to hurt other people yeah it's for this reason yeah that's why governments exist and you know what if you're gonna also like I'm not going to get into it. So let's move on to racism. So um, <laughs> <laughs> something uh, else that is unfortunately just, politicized uh, and involves movies and TV, because <laughs> that's just it is. Listen, OK, you tired of the mask thing? Well, let me tell you a little about something, a little about a little something called Black Lives Matter. OK, um, let's talk about that <laughs> in light of. Let's put it mild and say recent events. Uh, some companies and media groups have gone a little antsy about some stuff. Most famously, on June 9th, HBO Max flat out pulled Gone with the Wind from its services. It was eventually put back up with some new additions. Accompanying the movie are three new videos listed as special features that offer the following. Video 1 is a segment from Turner Classic Movies. Uh, Featuring Turner Classic Movies, Silent Sunday host Jacqueline Stewart giving a critique of the film as both cinema and as advocacy for white supremacy. Juicy. And 20, uh, the 2019 Turner Classic Movies Classic Film Festival panel that Donald Bogle moderated on the bluntly titled Complicit, Complicated Legacy of Gone with the Wind. And then finally, a four-minute video titled Hattie McDaniel, What a Character, which talks about the titular actress who played the part of Mammy in the film. And who actually won the Best Supporting Actress Oscar. It's important to note that Hattie McDaniel wasn't allowed to attend the premiere of her own film because it was in a whites-only theater. It's also worth noting that during the Oscars, she sat in a separate side table located at the far wall of the room, which just her and a white agent because the hotel where the Oscars were held didn't allow black people, but allowed her to attend, quote, as a favor. So obviously, this is a loaded topic for sure. How do you feel about this compromise, Melvin? Was this the right way to go with Gone with the Wind? 
Uh, do you think they did the right thing? Do you think it's the wrong thing? What are your thoughts on this particular discussion? We're about to go two for two for controversial controversial opinions from Melvin Benson, but I gotta say, like, I don't, I don't, I don't really care about it being gone. You know, I I think this sort of thing is a fear of obsolescence. I think there is a fear of lost media purely because it reminds us of the fact that death exists and that this age is temporary and that the things you do don't really matter. And I know that that sounds really like cynical and sad and and existential and all this stuff, but it's like, why hold on so deeply to something that ends up turning out to be wrong? Because of pride. This sort of controversy surrounding, oh, this thing that exists in the past, oh, it turns out it's actually offensive to a lot of people, very controversial, made with bad intentions in in some cases, not all. In some cases, it's accidental, but guess what? The law in scripture includes consequences for accidents. I think there's a fear of wanting to have some heart change, and that can include what your heart is committed to. We just recorded, we're recording this just after what might be a Sindoc pre-show or might be a special episode of the podcast, not sure. But Daniel at one point in the episode, while talking about his love for, for wrestling, kind of shares how there's there's a lot of bad history in the WWE. And it kind of hit him recently how bad it is. And the fact that by watching, sometimes he's passively contributing to the support of something that has incredibly bad and problematic history and current issues. And maybe I don't, I'm not here trying to say, Dan, you're wrong. Stop supporting the WWE. (laughs) I mean, I probably should. It is one of those things where as Christians, we're already called to recontextualize our life and go, wow, I did a lot of terrible things for my own glory wow, I did a lot of terrible things in general and I need to run away from those things and I need to run to Christ instead. And that's not easy. That is not easy in everything we do. Daniel and I have had plenty of conversations about the kind of movies that I'm comfortable not just promoting on the podcast, but also watching privately because of who's involved in them or what, what they're doing in the film and stuff like that most notably things like nudity or or overtly sexual content and it took a long time for me to be like i'm not gonna watch drive again probably (laughs) but i also don't need to there's a lot of really wonderful things about movies like blade runner and drive and sorry to bother you which is my still i have as my number one for 20 number one movie for 2018 And until I learned to rest in the fact that the Lord is better and seeing his face in eternity is better and persevering in the faith and putting my hope in him is better than those things that I realized, you know, I don't need them. There's a comfort in knowing that by hoping and believing in Christ and knowing that I'm an ambassador for a land that's not here yet, you know, I don't. I don't need some stuff here. And if that means something like Gone with the Wind, which is problematic or even Dumbo, which has incredibly problematic stuff surrounding it. I re- you know, it's I can't be bothered. What bothers me is the worship of these things. That's what bothers me. I mean, did you even know that like there's a stinger or there's an opening joke in the office that's like Michael Scott? Uh, it's a Halloween gag where they have these kids come in for a ride in the in the um, 
garage or whatever down down in the warehouse and like the punchline of the joke is that there's all these cute scary things happening but then the last thing that the kids see is michael scott falling from the scaffolding hanging himself (laughs) and it's like it's really bad (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) and 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 daryl's looking at him and he's like not cool michael and then michael's alive obviously hanging there like what it's funny (laughs) and you're like no. And the reason a lot of people don't know that that was an opening is because since the film, since that sequence aired, there was so much backlash that all subsequent releases have removed that scene. Does anybody care that that's gone? Not really. You didn't know it was gone. But guess what? There's really nothing you're getting from having it stick around. And I just think that there's there's an there's an immense fear of obsolescence in like, yep, they don't make things like they used to. Yeah, that thing, it's so good. It has so much value. And it's like maybe the thing that it, the value that you're giving it and things that have value usually have some sort of worship to them. Maybe the thing that that's worshiping might be some really old racist stuff, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'll close with this. I think most people would agree that you can't trust the majority of people to recognize that something contextually is dangerous. Yeah. You and me, Daniel, could watch something like Birth of a Nation, which is an incredibly racist movie. <laughs> yeah. Like we could watch that and recognize how wrong it is and and get a better understanding of why it had such a historical impact. But if you showed it to if you if you had that show in screenings nowadays, five bucks says who who was the guy? Who are all those people? Was it Charlottesville with the tiki torches? Yeah. Five bucks says those people would be like, oh, man, that should get an Oscar. It's great. <laughs> like, come on. Like, I, I think I think it's a means of fear of obsolescence and a lack of understanding of like context. And I just don't believe everybody has a good, good understanding of context. We just finished a discussion about people who are believing a lot of fake stuff, <laughs> which is keeping them from just wearing a stupid mask on their face when they're going out maybe once a week. So I don't know. I I think we might have different opinions about this. But for me, it's like if it was gone forever, well, that's fine. I know it's back up. I know it has the stuff that gives a context. But like, whatever. I mean, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm in agreement that first of all, I do think that there's some there is a weird amount of self-reflection that people seem opposed to, even in Christian circles. Where I think part and part of the self reflection is looking back on things you've said and done, and reckoning with the person that you were and the things that drove you to that point. Where you know, really, and and the same thing happens for this country and the art that we've created. Where we stop and look at what was the time period? Why did it create such films and literature and music? And I think it's just valuable in and of itself for that. And so, you know, I I think they made the right decision to repost it but with this you know supplementary material because i think part of appreciating art is going back and appraising it warts and all where you stop and you sit there and you go okay here's where this went horribly wrong and here's why because you're, you're right i think just putting up a film with no context from a racist time period could potentially not just be offensive because i mean but make some more racist. <laughs> right. And to me, that's the real danger of something. Isn't that it's offensive, but that it can instill attitudes and ideas in people. And that's sort of the problem when you show like old, like Looney Tunes cartoons or, you know, old, just old, any sort of really any old cartoon, really 
yeah old disney cartoons even uh, japanese cartoons yes just as bad yes sometimes agreed yeah. and where you know they portray you know black people stupid or they portray certain groups of people as lazy you know and that to a child who's impressionable can be damaging and so i agree with this decision in that regard i don't believe in necessarily removing things forever and ever because i think first off i feel like that's often just a way of someone hiding their own past sure that's not self-examination that's pretending it didn't happen and i think that's dangerous in and of itself that's erasing history and like that's the actual thing that people are worried is happening when you take statues down but for realsies like pretending that that you know gone with the wind doesn't exist is not a solution to the problem that if anything could potentially perpetuate the problem because we haven't actually dealt with the heart of the issue you know pretending like you never sinned is not the same thing as repenting of your sins and i think that's the danger that can come with this sort of thing sure sure and we're saying that now there's recent Tina face having episodes scrubbed from the internet that happened with a an episode of The Office or the added uh, scene involving blackface. And oh, yeah, I remember that scene now. I didn't remember it, and now I do. Yeah. It's Bell Schnickel's partner. <laughs> and one of, one of the later seasons, so it makes sense. They got they started running out of jokes. They're like, what do we got? Uh, <laughs> got blackface, apparently. That's, that's what we got. And like, we're, we are getting into a little cancel culture kind of conversation a little bit. I'm recently a YouTuber by the name of Jenna Marbles, just flat out left YouTube because. She made videos like in the past, like 10 years ago, that are offensive. And yeah, like learning that blackface is bad isn't a new thing that's been bad for, well, it's been bad the whole time it's existed. But the cultural attitude against it has shifted in the last 40, 50 years. So, I mean, there's an extent where there's no excuse for still doing it. It's bad. And there's there's no context in which I think it's it's acceptable. I'm of that opinion. I'm sure there's some people out there who disagree with me. But I think, you know, I think it's blackface is as clear as day is offensive and shouldn't be done in, at all. I, you know, yeah, that's my hot take. Blackface is bad. But at, at the same time, you know, obviously there needs to be a space where people can make mistakes and learn from them. But I think this is part of learning from mistakes where you stop and go like, hey, this movie is racist. This scene is racist. These attitude, this is the attitude of the time. Here's why they're bad. We can talk about it. We can examine it and we can learn from it. I don't th- I don't think that I don't think that media needs to stick around, though, to realize that I think um, well, it needs context sound like a weird like you can, you it can... needs context. But the context isn't stripped by taking the, the movie away. That's the context, though. Like if I'm talking about a movie in that movie, you can't view it like you're just taking my word for it. That's not the study or academic look at something like like we can't talk about the Gone with the Wind if Gone with the Wind isn't here. Like. um I think to really examine something and to understand it, you need to see it as a thing that exists, you know, like, like even then, like our conversation about these scenes is somewhat rooted in our familiarity with the shows we're talking about. Yeah. I, I don't know if I entirely agree with that. I think that puts almost more, I think there might be some forms of media that do have that importance. And I don't think you're arguing for all forms of media that might have that so, some sort of representation. So one of one of the later questions you wrote on your notes, which I'll just I'm just going to jump to right now, was sort of like a form of what is good censorship. And I think we sort of touched on it a little bit. And it's for me what I what I thought is good censorship is censorship that prevents the potential of, of somebody else to be sinning by participating in that. Right. So censorship of nudity in film 
would fix a lot of movies that for me means that like I could watch that movie without like having the sin of seeing someone's nakedness, that kind of thing. And and I would argue that there is a, uh, that that is sin in most in, in non-medical or non-marital con- contexts. And I think that's a good form of, of it. But then I also think there are other forms where it's like, if it really is, it's, it's understanding what is being censored. So like you briefly mentioned statues and it's like, there are a lot of statues that were purely erected after birth of a nation helped reinvigorate the KKK. And then in the mid 1920s to help push for white supremacy and to say our heritage actually exists. So then they can have an excuse to be white supremacists was by building all these really cheap and inexpensive statues. And that's why there's all these people that you would never imagine, like people from conquered nations that have all these statues, basically, for like no reason other than initially were put up as propaganda. And then you have museums nowadays who are like, well, we don't want them because they're not actually historical. They're propaganda. And you can argue that, well, some propaganda forms have a reason to be in a museum. But then it's also like a museum is a private corporation. It's a private individual that's allowed to make that decision. Like if you want to be a racist and make your own museum, go ahead and do it. But we're allowed to call you racist and want to cancel you in some way. Maybe that reveals a bit of my heart about cancel culture. We can get into that some other episode. Whenever some other inevitable person <laughs> in Hollywood gets canceled, right. we'll talk about it then. But but it's like I I don't I don't know. I think I think you can have discussions about a racist America without necessarily having to have that media stick around. I don't think that pursues a tier that like you see online. I have somebody comment on one of my um, posts on Facebook saying like, this is just like 1984. And I'm like, is it like, I can read a lot of textbooks that explain this. And so can many other people, but guess what? I think the thing about 1984 is that, and, 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 uh, George Orwell sort of touches on this with one of the characters, but he really doesn't dig into it. His onus is that the government makes the decisions and the people just get comfortable. I think it's the people are probably just not interested in caring about it. I mean, even Steven Soderbergh talking about coronavirus was like, yeah, one of the things I didn't expect was how stupid people would be about this. (laughs) And like you watch this movie and it seems clear cut and everything, but it's like, the assumption there is that people are smart and have a good reason for the things that they're doing, even when they're looting. And it's like, no, people are just just not educated. They don't care. They're they're being dumb about certain things. And so I don't know. I I think there's too much value into put into like we have to have it around so people get educated. Meanwhile, we're living in an information age where you can learn how to Google and research things. And like people just don't care. People just do not care. And I don't think keeping but, it around is the problem. I think there's like the things when you Google something though, and you research it, what comes up like the original, I'm not saying you need to keep every single blackface around or people won't know blackface is. That's not at all what I'm saying. Sure. Absolutely. I, I would hope that on subsequent like home video releases and, and streaming releases that some of these scenes are talking about from like community or the office and 30 rock are, are not included or if they are inc- included, the extent of which their inclusion is like, there's a note saying like, Oh, this scene originally had this in it and that's our bad. But like, <laughs> could you, could you just like, a, that's like um, Andy Dwyer from the bottom of my heart. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> <it's> just... <laughs> but like, that's the thing. Like that's part of my frustration 
is that these things are not being censored because I, mean, I can't know the heart of like Tina Fey or something. But typically, they can have a feel like these things are only happening because of current social pushback. It's playing the field. And the corporations. Like AMC. They're, yeah. And the corporations are just trying to, they're just trying to make themselves look better. They're not doing it because they're, they want to make the world a better place or because they're trying to eliminate racism. They're doing it to make themselves feel better. And they're not owning up to their own mistake. That's the thing that kind of frustrates me about it. Is just pretending like, oh, but what are you talking about? We didn't do that. And like, there's no self, there's no <laughs> self examination that we just talked about. Like re releasing, like re releasing Gone with the Wind, which is an, you know, is a historically significant film. I think we all agree that that needs to exist in some form or another because sure, you can't just. Yeah, mine was the extreme. Mine is like, please don't idolize this thing. Yeah. Please look to like eternity as opposed to this age where look everything dies like entropy exists sorry <laughs> well you know releasing with like material talking about like hey this movie star like Hattie mcdaniel experienced racism on a scale that many people will never experience right like here's why the attitudes of present in the film are bad here's what the film says about the time period like that's self-examination and i would rather that be the course that people take rather than just being like just cutting it out and like sure because like i'm not one of those people who's like oh like this these darn you know liberals are getting too trigger happy and they're getting too sensitive it's like you should be sensitive to blackface (laughs) like i would (laughs) hope that you'd see that and be like oh geez yeah things that are offensive should be offensive and at the same time like the the irony here is like gone with the wind is a movie it's ostensibly about history and then the people in the movie in real life are experiencing horrible racism like this is an ancient history. There's footage of this person. Like, you know, I've mentioned it before, but like my my parents, when my parents were born, interracial marriage was illegal. Like they my parents were both born in a time where they couldn't get married to each other. Like this is not ancient history. And the attempt to just pretend it didn't happen. That's the real 1984. Yeah. That's that's where, like, I don't understand why, uh, man, taking taking the Confederate flag out of NASCAR, that's 1984. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. Like, the, the, the fact that the flag has been revered as history is 1984. It's yeah. Compl- you completely converted <laughs> exactly. it to something else. Like, that is, like, hey, like, keep up the statues of these people and put plaques on them. Let's say this guy was a loser. Put a plaque that says this guy's <laughs> a jerk. Like, yeah, <laughs> this person is a horrible. This, this slave owner horribly sinned against God and like harmed his fellow man. Yeah, and the fact the statue even is here is just a disgrace. There, put that on the statue. Put a public toilet right next to it. <laughs> <laughs> just- <laughs> Leave tomatoes so the neighborhood children can throw them at the statue. You know. <laughs> But like, you know, if you're going to play the like, let's remember history card. Yeah, let's remember it correctly. Let's remember it with like fully embracing the, the wrong that sometimes is done. And like we're sinful people. We are fallen people. And like we need to constantly be examining ourselves and looking at the way that our hearts, which are prone to wander from the Lord, do so. And d- admitting <laughs> that there are older films that like you know mickey rooney and breakfast at tiffany's ain't cool like that's not liberalism gone too far that is just looking at the past and being like this is where we went wrong right and this is another way in which we fail and 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 this is another way in which you know we the original sin has seeped into ourselves and the acid of sin drips from our fingers and corrodes all the things around us and we like you know i look at that and it's offensive and that like 
you know, I'm sure that like that Mickey, Mickey, like Mickey Rooney probably on Asian face helped perpetuate racist ideas and stereotypes that directly have affected the people in my family. And so, yeah, I'm sorry if I'm on the side of like, you know, if the next time that breakfast at Tiffany's gets released on Blu-ray or Criterion or whatever, and if there isn't a whole 40 minute mini movie, just being like, Oh, that's messed up. And this is why it's messed up. And this is horrible. and This is bad. Yeah, I think they should do that. I think that's part of that's just part of that's art criticism. That's yeah, that's the whole thing that you and I are doing. Yeah, you and I are. I mean, Act Seventeen is go into this community, find out what's good, find out what's bad, encourage the good, and say that's because God is graceful to you. Find the bad and say stop being an enemy yeah. of God and start, start looking into him and, and put your hope in him. Exactly. And so where I might somewhat differ with you on this is I, I think things should mostly remain intact, but the people that did these things, wrote them, direct them, shot them, acted to them, produced them, and distributed them should have to release statements. They should have to take a step back and really come to terms with what they've done. And I want them to have to sit there. And I want Tina Fey to re-release 30 Rock and before those episodes, I want her to stand in front of the camera and be like, I'm sorry, this is wrong. And here's what we intended, but here's what we went wrong. And here's what we've done. And this is bad. And I've made a mistake. And I'm, you know, and that's, that's, that's how you deal with sin. You confess, you repent, you go into, you know, you go and you, you know, go into the body of Christ and you submit yourself to your church elders and you attempt to, to reconcile and grow as a person. And right. that, that's, and that's the, yeah. that's the tension of the cancer culture thing. Cancer culture typically doesn't ask you to grow. It just wants them to be punished. I don't want people to be punished necessarily, you know, right. Tina Fey and crew, they're just being stupid and maybe they didn't care about who they hurt. And for that, that's unacceptable, but like people should be allowed to grow and change. And that's what I want. And so like, right. that's what I'm looking for. We can never really gauge if people have changed or not. That, that's impossible to extent. But the same thing is said if someone just deletes their YouTube channel, for example. I don't know what happened. I, like if Jenna Marbles would delete her videos today and go away, I don't know what happened to her. I don't know if she changes a person. Yeah, there's an extent where I, it's not our job to make sure everyone like reforms or whatever. But what I would prefer is for people to come forward and be like, God, forgive me. You know, I've sinned against God and I've sinned against you. And so I'm sorry. That's that's what I would more want, and this is also my little reminder that it's this is why it's good to buy physical media. There you go. People can't come into your house and take your Blu-ray copy of, of Gone with the Wind, although they took it and replaced it with a different edition that is the same but with more content. I'd be okay with that. And, you know, and I, I just I would be remiss not to mention that there's been a recent huge shift where uh, voice actors for for characters who are you know black or Asian or Hispanic who are voiced by white actors. There's been a shift where Jenny Slate, Kristen Bell stepped away from voicing Missy and Big Mouth and Molly in Central Park. Mike Henry announced he's no longer voicing Cleveland Brown on Family Guy, which is crazy. He's been doing it for over 20 years. They announced that on The Simpsons that non-white characters will no longer be voiced by white actors and actresses and whatnot. And I think that's good. That is good. That's one of the things that doesn't, it doesn't affect my life negatively in any way. And hey, more roles for people of color. That's always a good thing to see. It's, it's a it's more authentic and b kind of wild that we weren't doing that already if i'm being quite honest yeah shouldn't have taken it's, it's absurd to 2020 absurd. for people to be like is it bad for a white guy to do literally do a vocal impression of a black guy is that problematic probably and we just kept doing it <laughs> just the fact that that tibet left until 2020 is just wild to me so
Thanks so much for checking out this episode of Monthly Movie News. We hope you enjoyed it. If you enjoy the show, be sure to check out Cinematic Doctrine's other offerings like Trailer Talk and our regular movie discussions. You can also leave a review on your respective podcast app to show your support, or go one step further and consider supporting the show via Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can influence the show by choosing a movie we discuss at the end of every month, as well as gain access to an exclusive Cinematic Doctrine podcast series called The Sindoc Pre-Show. In it, Daniel and I talk about movies, Christianity, and life itself across a variety of topics. Cinematic Doctrine also has plenty of social media you can follow, like our Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook page. And be sure to check out Cinematic Doctrine's Facebook group and join the conversation with other like-minded Christian cinephiles. A special shout-out to those who support at the Art House Theater tier. Thanks so much, Mom, Dad, and Melanie. You guys are the best, and your continued monetary support means the world to us. All of this will be available in the show notes. Until next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck! We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.